0: I think one of the hardest things, or the hardest messages for us to accept is that we really are to live different lives. Uh, It's just so accepted among so many that it is okay to just live like everyone else in the world. But you and I are really called to live life on a higher plane. And the context of these verses that we're reading this morning is this challenge that we are to put off the old, put on the new, that we are really to live different. Uh, We are to live in a supernatural way, in a way that is different than the way we used to live. We are to live in a way that is contrary to our old human nature. We are no longer to respond to things naturally. We are to put off this old self, Paul says, which is corrupted. And we are to put on the new self, created to be like God. By the miracle of the new birth, by the miracle of the Holy Spirit being implanted in you, you have, Paul says, a new self created by God to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Okay? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty powerful statement. That is our new self. That is how we are to live. We are to be like God. In righteousness and holiness in this new self that God has graciously given you by the, through the means of the new birth, it, the new self is kind, it is loving, forgiving, humble, patient, considering others more important than yourself, pure in thought and motive. put that on you have a new set of clothes, wear them and verse verse seventeen um, which we looked at last week, says, I insist that you no longer live as the Gentiles do. You are to completely identify with your new self and no longer live like you used to. And this gets very practical. And the next three things that Paul addresses is lying, anger, and stealing. Verse 25, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor we are all members of one another. So very, very clearly, very simply, Paul says, put off lying and put on speaking truthfully. Falsehood, lying, deception of every sort is part of your old self. That's part of the old life that is to, is to be put off. It is evil. It's from the devil. But your new self, created to be like God in righteousness and holiness, speaks truth. Speaks without deception, speaks sincerely in all situations, without pretense, because we are members of one another. We now belong to each other. Verse 27 says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those who have need. As a new person, as a new creation, you are no longer to take things that are not yours. We all at times in our lives are on the receiving end, but we are never to be on the taking, overreaching, grabbing for what is not ours. Paul says we are to go to work. Instead of stealing to meet our needs, we're to go to work to meet our needs and then even to work with with a purpose that we would not only meet our own needs, but that we would have something to be able to share with others. You may have much or you may not have much, but but the heart, the desire of your new self is not to take, but to give. Then verse 26, which I skipped, tells us we are to live as new people regarding our anger. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, lying and stealing are important issues, but I chose to deal with anger this morning. I felt there is no way I could deal with all three justly. So I'm going to focus on the issue of anger. Anger is something that, that is hard for all of us to deal with at times. I think even people who uh, appear outwardly to be fairly calm and even keeled at times struggle with anger and knowing what to do with it and how to handle it appropriately. And in a world, in the world that we live in, in a world of disappointments, sometimes huge disappointments, in a world of frustrations, trials, and evil, we all feel the emotion of anger, sometimes I think we are confused about whether we should be angry about something or not. You just found out that your wife overspent your grocery budget by $300 last month. Should you be angry or not? Or your husband said he would be home for supper at 6, but it's 6.30, then 6.45, and you haven't heard from him. Should you be angry or not? Or you just heard something on the news that, like ISIS beheaded more Christians. How should you feel about that? And when you do feel anger rise up within you, what are you supposed to do with it? How does this new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness deal with anger? How do we as new people filled with the Holy Spirit, how does the Holy Spirit filled person deal with anger? And so we want to deal with, with all those questions, all those issues, and more this morning. First, what is anger? Anger is a strong emotional reaction of displeasure to evil. It is a God-given or a God-created human emotion. Anger is our sense that something is wrong that, or that something wrong is going on That something is unjust or sinful or evil. It is an emotional response to being violated or sinned against. God has anger against sin and evil. And created in his image, we feel anger. Second, there are things that should make us angry. Literally, this verse begins, be angry. Now in in the in the uh, new international NIV, which I read out of this morning, it says, "In your anger, do not sin." But that phrase, really, in your anger, that's really kind of an interpretation of this verse. Literally, it says, "Be angry." It does not assume that to be angry itself is sinful. There is an anger which is an expr- expression of God's righteousness. There is an anger that is an expression of Of anger at God's standards being violated. There is an anger which is holy and righteous. There is an anger which you can have as a new creation. Filled with the Holy Spirit. A new self. There is an anger which you can have as a person created to be like God. In righteousness and holiness. A good test of anger is this. Would God be angry about the same thing? Jesus became became angry at the sin of those who turned the temple of God into a place to make money. When the Pharisees opposed Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath, it says Jesus looked at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. If a man is destroying his family because of sexual sin, you should be angry about that. If a child is being Abused or neglected or mistreated, you should be angry about that. If someone is causing division in the church, you should be angry about that. If your children are defiant and don't listen to your instructions, there is something wrong if that does not make you angry. I'm not saying uncontrollable rage, you know, obviously not that, but there is something wrong if that doesn't make you angry. When Paul walked through the streets of Athens, it says he was provoked in his spirit as he saw that the city was full of idols. That phrase, provoked in his spirit, simply means Paul was ticked off. He was angry about the idols. It should make us angry when people make idols out of sports or money or leisure or whatever. We should be angry over sin, injustice, idolatry like Jesus and Paul. The problem is that in our old self, which can still influence or which we can still operate in, rarely are we angry at the right people about the right things. For example, we can be apathetic toward gross sins in our culture. We can be apathetic about sins in sitcoms on television or in ourselves, but we are ready to go to war over a perceived slight that we received from another person. So instead of being angry about God's standards being violated, we are often just angry that we did not get our way or that we did not get treated the way that we feel we deserve. A Bible teacher that I've quoted before by the name of Steve Cole suggested that most of our anger is over selfishness and wounded pride. And I think he's pretty close to being on target. Uh, we can so easily become touchy, easily offended, you know, just ready to strike back, sometimes almost looking for a way to be hurt. John Calvin said there are th- There are three faults by which we offend God in being angry. I'm not going to give you all three, but the first one I thought was perhaps the most insightful. The first is when our anger arises from a slight cause and often from no real cause at all. In other words, he's saying we become so sensitized sensitized to our own self and our own self-interests that we can perceive violations against us that when they are, are slight or, as he says, don't even exist. So when we are angry, we need to ask ourselves, is, is this just a minor or slight offense, a bit of hurt feelings, or am I really being abused, abused here? Now, again, if there is really a serious sin against you, I think you should be angry about it. Now, again, what you do with that, we're going to get to. But if there is really a serious offense or sin against you, you should be angry about that. Again, if your husband commits adultery, you should be angry about it. If your son is stealing money from you, you should be angry. But if somebody doesn't call you on the phone as often as you want, you probably should judge your own anger as just thinking too much about yourself. James said that it is our lust for things that causes to be angry and quarrel. James 4 1 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. In other words, anger and quarreling comes from wanting what you want, too passionately. We all have desires, we all have things that we want, but he's saying that this anger and the resultant quarrels, they come from wanting what you want too much or too passionately. And then when somebody gets in your way or something gets in your way of what you want, you're angry and you fight. And so when you are angry, it may simply show you that you just want something too much or to the point where it's become lust, where it's become an over-desire, an overly strong desire for something. And it really can be a a corrective thing. When you realize you're angry about a certain thing, you you can realize that, hey, I just really wanted this thing too much. I've gotten my eyes off of the Lord, and I just wanted this too much. And you can just back away from that, commit it to the Lord, and your anger will dissipate. So if God really is your joy and delight, you may still be disappointed about not getting something, but you're not fighting mad. So it is right to be angry at times, and in fact wrong not to be angry at times, but we must be careful that we are angry about the right things. So this calls for some prayer and soul-searching. And when we are angry, when we... Are angry, we, James tells us we should be slow to anger, and during that time of being slow to anger, we should do some prayer, ser, uh, prayer some soul-searching, some talking to the Lord. Most of you know the story of Jonah. Jonah had a plant that grew up beside him, a vine. He, he loved this plant because it gave him shade. And when it died, it says he became very angry. And so God asked Jonah a question. God said, Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry? Jonah didn't give the right answer. He said, I do. He said, I'm angry enough to die. But, of course, he really did not have good reason to be angry. His, his, his anger came from placing more value on his vine than on the people of Nineveh. And that's basically what God told him. He said, you value that vine more than you do the people that I'm trying to use you to reach. So when you are angry, it is good to pause and reflect. Do do I really have good reason to be angry? Third point. Why are there so many warnings against anger in the Bible? You know, if if anger is is, or at least can be a good thing, um, if we even are supposed to be angry about some things, why are there so many warnings against anger in the Bible? Well, while the feelings of anger or the reaction of anger itself is not sinful, what we do... What we do with that anger is so often sinful that a warning is quickly added. And so the whole, the, 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 the whole phrase in verse 26 is simply this, In your anger do not sin. The words we say when we are angry, the choices we make when we are angry, the actions we take when we are angry are so often sinful that God says to us, be careful. You're angry, don't sin. Don't let it lead to sin. Here are some other reasons that the Bible warns us about anger. The Bible says angry people cause conflicts. Proverbs thirty thirty three: as churning the milk produces butter, so stirring up anger produces strife. And there's another part of that verse that says, just as twisting the nose causes blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. I mean, two very vivid illustrations. Just, if you do that, if you stir up anger, you're going to stir up strife. Angry people destroy people and relationships. Proverbs 17, 14. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out you know, it's like before the devastation is done drop it I mean what happens when a dam breaks I mean, it just destroys everything downstream from the dam. Angry people are continually in trouble. Proverbs 19:19 19, 19, a hot-tempered man must pay the penalty if you rescue him you will have to do it again just the idea that there's kind of repeated, Trouble, and even, if, even if you try to rescue someone with a hot temper, they're going to have to do it again because they haven't learned to deal, deal with it. Angry people are not living in the righteousness God wants. James one twenty, man's anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. And later on in James, it says, true, true righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, there's a warning, a strong warning, not just here in in Ephesians chapter 4, but almost every time anger is referred to in the Scripture, there is a strong warning associated with it, just because it can so easily deteriorate into doing or saying something sinful. Fourth, how do we handle anger when we are angry, or what do we do? With it, first, do not sin. Okay, first, do not sin. Uh, In your anger, do not sin. When you feel the blood rush to your face, when you feel the stirring of anger, that is a signal to to proceed very cautiously. So, do not let your anger lead to sharp words, uh, to an outburst of rage, calling someone an ugly name. Do not let it lead to, to violence, to plotting revenge, to slander, and on and on. But instead of sinning, here are some other things that you can do with your anger. Okay, The negative is don't sin in your anger. Don't sin. But here's some other things that the Bible gives us that we can do, that you can do when you are angry. Number one, you can choose to overlook the matter. You can. You actually can. I remember a uh, a pastor giving a message and something had happened in their church. I'm not going to go into the details. A bunch of people were really upset and they came to him and said, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do? They're just kind of like wringing their hands. And he says, what are we going to do about this? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> just, you know the, Sometimes the very best thing to do is to overlook a matter. Proverbs nineteen eleven says, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. That's from the ESV. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Some translations say it is to his glory to overlook an offense. So just as a fit of anger disgraces you, and and if you don't know it, it does. Okay? Just uh, when when you blow up in anger, it, it disgraces you. But to overlook a matter brings honor to you. That's what this verse is saying. Colossians 3.13 says the same thing a little different way. It says, bear with one another. Overlook, overlooking, um, I'm sorry, bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. uh, Bear with one another and forgive whatever complaints you may have against anyone, another version puts it. Peter said love covers a multitude of sins. So much of the time, it is best to just cover situations with love and forbearance and overlook it. Best to just cover the rough edges of a relationship with love and grace and forbearance. Okay, so instead of sinning, you can choose to overlook the matter. Number two, you can return good for evil. And really, this is one of the main prescriptions in in the Bible for dealing with anger that arises out of some some evil uh, that is perpetrated against you. You can return good for evil. And... It is amazing how doing something good toward the person who stirred up your anger can quench your own anger. It's amazing. Many years ago, I heard this heard a story. I, I'm sure I don't have the details right, but I the way I remembered it was there were two guys that were uh, in the army and uh, in a barracks and. Uh, one guy uh, one guy got mad and, and actually kicked the other guy with his boot. And the next morning, he found the, that the guy that he had kicked with his boot had, had shined and polished this guy's boots and set them up for him. In other words, he, he had literally polished the boots of the person who had kicked him. And th- there's just something about returning good for evil that just drains all the anger and strife out of a situation. Number three, you can leave room for God to be angry and let go of yours. Romans 12, 17 says, When evil is perpetrated against you, do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. In other words, let God be angry for you. Let him be. And let his anger take care of it. Some translations say leave room for God's anger. Or leave room for God's righteous anger. But when you realize God will deal with people and things in a better way than you. Then you're able to let go. Or to put off your own anger. So leave room for God to be angry. Let go of yours. fifth. And. I'm probably confusing you guys, but because I've just shared three points under, uh, instead of sinning, what can you do? Okay, now we're jumping back to our main points, okay? So if, for those of you that try to take notes, I, I didn't, didn't want to throw you off here. So we're, we're back now to number five. Number five in our main list of points. How long should I be angry about something or at someone? Verse 27 says, Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Very simply, very plainly, quite obviously, anger should be let go of very quickly. I read a story about a mother who quoted this verse to her little boy who was angry. And he didn't figure out; he couldn't figure out how he could get low of his, go let go of his angry, So he said to his mom, "How can I keep the sun from going down?" <laughs> you know, and the point is, the sun will go down. You know, and the sun is going to go down soon. I mean, within twenty-four hours, depending where you are at in your day, or within less than that, twelve to sixteen hours, depending on where you are at on your day, you, the sun is going to go down. That's not going to change. You are the one who has to change. You're the one who has to change before the sun goes down. So, you know, if you're simmering over something, an offense or some evil done to you, and it might be real evil, okay? It might be. But if you're simmering over that days and weeks, months and years later, there's no question that it has turned into sinful anger. And the longer it is there, the more it will damage your own soul your own relationships, your own mind, your own emotions. I'm going to share a quote. It's not from the Bible, uh, but there's some truth in it. Anger is like carrying a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone, but you are the one that gets burned. And there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, you just need to let go of it quickly. Because it, it doesn't do you or anybody any good. If you or your wife have had angry feelings or words, say before you left home for work, then call her on the way to work and, and get it talked out quickly. If, it is, if there's something that has happened that you can just forbear and forgive, do that. Put away the anger. Uh, if it's something that requires you to go talk to a person, do it. But don't just let it simmer Day after day after day. Deal with it quickly or drop it. Now, most often when I've heard uh, this verse taught on about do not let the sun go down where you're s- still angry, uh, the main application that I've heard, and I, I don't think this is a wrong application, but but the main and sometimes maybe even the only application is that you need to go talk things out with your spouse or... This person before you go to bed. Um, in fact, I think every message I read on this passage has uh, kind of had that as an application. Okay, you know, if you're, if you're angry, go talk things out with your spouse before you go to bed. And many many pastors that I registered that was their main application of, of this. Well, again, I think that is a good thing. That can be a part of the way that we resolve anger and sometimes things do need to be talked out. But that is not really what Paul says here, is it? He simply says, do not let the sun go down on your anger, or get rid of your anger before you go to sleep, I think we could paraphrase it to say. And this is a quotation from Psalm chapter 4, starting with verse 4, and I think looking very briefly at this psalm would really help us know how to deal with our anger before we go to sleep. And I'm going to read, this is a quote from Psalm chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. So uh, listen, listen carefully. I hate when Charles Stanley says that, but I'm going to say that. Listen carefully, okay? In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your heart and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust... In the Lord, many are asking, "Who can show us any good?" Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The context seems to be that you know David was dealing with 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 anger about people that were threatening him or had, had things that were better off than him and you know, had some concerns and, uh, against evil and threats. But David deals with his anger not by going and talking it out with these people. He deals with his anger by leaving everything with God. Instead of, mul- instead of going to bed, mulling over his anger, he meditates on God. He found the, real, the only real solution to anger is to take it to God and to find peace from him. And so in Psalm 4, it's like David goes to bed angry, but before he goes to sleep, he is at peace. And that's how he, he ends this Psalm. I will lie down and sleep in peace. I personally have found that when I'm angry, it is nearly impossible to talk things out with my wife or others before going to bed. Often, I'm not sure if I'm right to be angry. Often, I'm not sure if I'm thinking clearly enough about what should be said or if anything should be said. Most often, I find it best to do what David did and just to let go of my anger and leave things with God. I'm not saying that the application of talking through things through with your spouse. If you can do that and settle that and have peace before you go to bed, God bless you. Go do that. But the important thing is for you, for you to let go of your anger before you go to sleep. Whether or not you can deal with it whether or not you can talk to anybody about it, whether or not you can straighten out the problem that caused it, the solution for you is to take it to God and have peace before you go to sleep. Sixth, or, you know, I'm going I'm to back up and just say something in here, and this is, this is, this is kind, of, uh, kind of me bringing up something that, that bothers me a little bit. Um, you know our culture places such great emphasis on doing something constructive about your anger okay in fact it almost doesn't really warn against anger it says you know just do something constructive with your your anger but clearly the emphasis of the bible is to put away your anger to not even be angry past sundown to think carefully before we express our anger to be patient to show restraint to control anger. And I think, I think we will do well. I, I, I do think we should do something constructive in a righteous way with our anger at times. I'm not, not speaking against that. But that's not the only or even the main emphasis of Scripture when it talks about anger. It's not just, oh, go, okay, go do something constructive with your anger. No, the, the emphasis of Scripture, if you read the Bible from cover to cover, is to put it away, to put it off, Not let the sun go down on it. Be patient, be slow to anger, show restraint, control. And again, I think we do well to keep that emphasis too. Sixth, is anger really that big of a problem? I mean, everybody loses it once in a while, don't they? I mean, is anger really that much of an issue? Yes. (laughs) Verse 27 adds a special warning about anger. And do not give the devil a foothold. In your anger, you you actually are opening up the door for Satan, for the devil, to get a foothold in your life and heart. The word foothold is sometimes translated opportunity. Uh, Literally, it means a place or a piece of ground. So don't give the devil a place in your body or your soul. Don't give the devil a piece of ground. And anger gives the devil a chance to fill your heart so that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit at that time or that season in your life. Your anger opens the door for the devil to use you to attack someone else. I mean, when you spew out those angry words of accusation, the devil himself can be using those words to hurt and destroy that other person. Sustained anger gives the devil the opening that he needs t- to develop nearly every possible attitude that can s- destroy you from the inside out. Self-pity, self-righteousness, bitterness, rage, depression, and on and on. Anger gives the devil the opportunity to lead you into sin. Proverbs 29:22, a hot-tempered man commits many sins. Anger gives the devil the opportunity to stir up strife and division. Proverbs 15:18 a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. So, yes. Yes, I will say it. Anger is dangerous. I don't know about too many things in the scripture. Other sins certainly can give the devil an opportunity, but it's interesting that it's this one issue of anger. That God says, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on it, lest you give the devil a foothold in your life. All right, I want to wrap things up with some uh, application. Certainly, again, I hope that everything that we've said so far would be spoken in a sense that you could take it and apply it, but just a, a, a couple things that I want to apply, particularly not only just from this passage, but, but from just all that the Bible says about anger. Number one, I don't know why I've got so many points this morning. <laughs> Helps me, probably not you, but okay, application number one. Uh, face the biblical truth. All right, face the truth. Face the biblical truth that restraint and self-control is the key to dealing with your anger. In other words, believe that you can control your anger and stop believing the lie that you cannot control your anger. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Self-restraint is a part of the new self which you have from God, if you know the Lord, And for a Christian to say, well, I just have a short fuse, is really to deny the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the new self that God created in you and created to be like him. Go where you will in the scripture from beginning to end, most All of the passages or verses that deal with anger in some way deal with the idea of restraining or controlling or having self-control or being slow. You know, all of these things that deal with this concept of restraint and self-control, the key to dealing with your anger. Self-control in Proverbs, is frequently called ruling your spirit. Okay? I think it's a wonderful phrase. You need to learn to rule your spirit instead of your spirit ruling you. Proverbs 16.32, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. You can restrain your spirit And God commands you to rule your spirit. And what else does God do in this verse? He commends it as a good thing. He commends ruling your spirit as a good thing. He says, if you can rule your spirit, you are better than this mighty general who could capture a city. See? That always, that always was a pretty powerful image to me, hopefully to you too. Proverbs twenty five twenty eight. like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. A city that is broken into without and without walls, what sort of image does that convey to you? A place of destruction, a place where there's a lot of damage done. And God says, well, that's kind of what your life is like if you have no control over your spirit. Proverbs twenty nine eleven: A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. You know, and I know, I know what the world says. The world says, man, you need to just blow up. You need to just let off some steam. It'll be good for you. You don't, you're going to have ulcers. I mean, It's just that there's better ways to get rid of anger than that. You do need to get rid of your anger. It probably will produce ulcers, but you don't get rid of it in that way. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. I mean, that, that is biblical counseling, okay? That might not be world, what you get from counseling in the world, but that is biblical counseling. Second application, deal with the heart attitudes behind the anger. And again, this is not something, a a brand new point. We've talked about it as we've gone along, but often the cause of a hot temper is excessive concern with your pride, excessively valuing something, valuing anything, your own advancement, your own pleasure, your own way, your own opinions and just and just putting that up there too big, making that too big, putting it in the place of God, and when you overvalue those things, then you become angry when they 're threatened you don 't like it, and uh, so it's it 's a hard issue. you need to deal with that and just confess God that became way too important to me i g- I give it back to you i maybe I still have a desire for this to happen or whatever, but but I leave it in your hands. my times are in your hands, my ways. My life, my future is in your hands. And so I'm going I'm to deal with the heart, the heart attitude that's causing me to be angry about, because those things are threatened or maybe are, have been taken from me. And then often we are angry because we, we are living or thinking or feeling out of the old self. I mean, the Bible talks about these being a very real very real spiritual realities, the old self and the new self, the flesh and the spirit. Okay? I mean, these are very real spiritualities, spiritual realities, this old self and the new self. The and the old self is 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 interested in, in, in what I get, in what I have, and how I'm being treated. The old self is concerned about getting my way, protecting my rights and my feelings. So the old self is angry and frustrated at others, insensitivity to me and how I am being treated. But the new self has a completely different mindset. The new self says, I am here to consider others more important than myself. I'm here to serve. I'm here to love. I'm here to bless others. I am here to give to others. I am here to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the description of the new self. That's the description of the fruit of the Spirit, if you want to look at it another way. So when you are filled with the Spirit, when you walk by the Spirit or in the, in the language of Ephesians 4, when you put on the new self with this new way of thinking, you know, so much of your anger, so much of your hot-tempered tendencies, just, they just go away. Because, because you're, you're not thinking the way of your old self. You're, you're beginning to think in terms of the new, of the new self with those new ambitions, those new desires to give, to love, to serve, to be a blessing, to be like God in every situation, with every person, in every room that you walk into. That's your ambition. Not to get your way, not to fight for what you want, but your ambition is now to be like God in true righteousness and holiness.